0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast.
1: We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I wanna welcome our Bourbon Campus. They're coming online and uh, they know Pastor Jeff. He ministered there a couple years ago. They've been supporting him on the missions field. We're excited to have him in, be able to support him also here at the Warren Campus and the Bourbon Campus. And guys, he grew up in Detroit. And, and, uh, he'll tell you his story but then he ended up being a youth pastor in southern ohio north of dayton and then he pastored a campus like we have in boardman Uh, he did that for about seven years and god called him to thailand and i am so impressed that he went uh, because he's a young man and that's not an easy place to live and we are in this deeper series and he's going to talk about deeper trust and man the stories were powerful and it just made me trust god more sitting in it so i have the opportunity to sit uh, for my third time and i am excited about it can we give him a warm bcf welcome as he comes forth pastor jeff
0: well good morning it's still morning right okay yeah we're still morning you got to sleep in you were the smart ones you assume the roads would be better, and you know no one 's going to be messing with you and all that kind of stuff so i am i 'm really happy to be here i 'm so grateful to be here thank you hi and my wife 's here so i 'm excited so if I flirt to the front row it 's her okay don 't worry all right um, but hey i got to do a big shout out though i 'm um, so happy to be here in Warren but Boardman, I got to be there two years ago and uh, you were actually my first church to partner with us, New Life Commission. And so I love you. Stick around after service because I'm actually going to be heading over there and we can hang out a little bit. But you guys are really blessed. Like, I, I get to hang out with Pastor Joe and Gina a bit last night, and they're amazing. Like, I know it's normal for you, but they're amazing. Like, I asked Joe, Pastor Joe several years ago, I, or a year and a half ago, I said, All right, when I've been in ministry 40 years, I want my wife and kids to still like me, right? Like, I, but I want to still have a good reputation in the community. I want to I wanna still be in love with Jesus and like church. I was like, I need help, please, you know? And so he's been so gracious. And then uh, Pastor Joe Jr. and Aaron, I love them so much. They've been friends of, Ours for so long. And Pastor Joe Jr., he's the one I call. When, when, when I want to quit, he's the, he's the one I call. I'll text him, you know, I think I'm going crazy, you know, I want to leave, this place is too hot, I'm sweating all the time, you know. Like, I'll text him and he'll talk me off the ledge and point me back to Jesus. And so, uh, for so long, I've gotten to sit under and worship as, as Pastor Aaron leads. And, and so, it's, it's just a great blessing. You guys have a phenomenal, phenomenal staff. I just got to go to traditional, the place is awesome. Like, it's cool. They're doing a great job over there. It's so much fun. I became a Presbyterian child all over again. It was awesome. So I, uh, I had a great time. But we're in this series, like Pastor Joe said, deeper. And I get excited because I was a college swimmer. I swam my whole life. And so deeper, I, I, I'm, I'm at the ocean in my brain automatically. And, and for us as a family and a ministry, I feel like God is constantly calling us deeper into trust and further along and And that might sound like super spiritual, like oh yes, brother, that's good. No, we're going to talk about it. That basically just means you're going to move further and further away from all your comfort zones and the safety and the security of the shore. It's it's excruciating and wonderful all at the same time. But we'll get into that in just a minute. You're like oh, I'm so glad I came. You know how great. Um, Pastor Joe will be back next week. He's really encouraging. You know, don't worry. So if you're a first timer, you know, come back. But I'm Jeff Travis and. And we're New Life Commission, and so we're trying to bring hope, help, and healing everywhere Jesus sends us. And for us, hope looks like the gospel. Hope looks like eternity with Jesus, and we share that as much and often as we can. Help is just trying to help people meet practical needs wherever they are, tangible needs with whatever they're going through. And for us, healing looks like either pains or the past, and and working through prayer and discipleship and walking people through that. So for the last year and a half, we've been doing this in Thailand on the Burmese border. And so we work with this amazing organization called Life Impact International. We partner with them, and for over 20 years, they've been working to prevent, rescue, and heal children involved in human trafficking. And so it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna rescue kids. I'm gonna be Liam Neeson from Taken. Right, I'm gonna be that agent from Sound of Freedom. You know, give me like an Uzi. I'm gonna kick a door down, we'll get the bad guys. Right, and apparently being a college swimmer and going to Bible school does not make you a commando. You know, I've watched all the Expendables movies. I took notes, but I still couldn't do it. So uh, they make fun of me because they're like, "You're giant and white." Because there I am. I stick out like a sore thumb. Right? They're like, "Stealth is not your spiritual gift." Okay, just relax. And I'm like, "Okay, fine." You know. So I stay in my lane but there's a there's a place called the Promised Land in Thailand where we work and Life Impact has over 80 rescued kids that live there with their forever families. And so there's over 70 staff that work there and so one of the things we get to do is we get to help pastor these families that are working with these amazing children and they come from just a diversity of backgrounds. There was a time where Life Impact got called from a hospital and and it's happened a couple times where they had babies and children that were abandoned and they're like, Hey, can you, can you take them? Can you care for them? Can you, you know, bring them in? And there were times where money was tight and they're like, we're struggling to feed the kids we have now, you know, and what'll happen And the hospital just told them, they said, if you don't rescue them within three days, they'll be in the hands of traffickers. No matter how old or young they were, like the hospital just knows this is the progression. And so, Jesus was faithful. They were able to rescue and they, they were able to provide. And, and so it's been amazing. There's, we go to the land and there's these two little girls. They're twins and they're five and six years old ish, somewhere in that area. Um, but they have this look to where like they got a secret. Like they're a little, little mischievous, very sweet, very cute, very adorable. But like, you know, we're up to something and nobody else knows. And I, I love it because I always see that look and I think it's funny. But when they were about three months old, their mom was actually going door to door trying to sell them, and uh, she wound up at a place, and a woman offered her about three hundred U.S. dollars, the equivalent, and uh, and then contacted Life Impact, so they were able to rescue them. But because in our in our part of the world, trafficking isn't like a windowless van coming and people snatching, and you know, like it's not like we see in the movies here. It's usually due to poverty, and parents are selling their kids. That's that's common. Sometimes they'll they'll, you know, be be tricked and told, hey, you know, give me your kids a I'll, I'll better life, you know, better future, better thing. But mostly they're they just can't afford to keep them. And so they they sell them. They get rid of them. They abandon them. And and so one of the one of the great things that we get to do is we work with their prevention team. And so I get to go and they like me because I can carry big, heavy bags of rice. You know, but we go to these at-risk families in our community, people that we know are on that line and they have kids. And so we bring them food every month to try and you know, curve their challenges and try and help them out so that they don't have to resort to horrible things, and so or resort to horrible things. And so I get to go and I, I sit in these huts, and it's so fun you know, because when I stop being scared that I'm gonna fall through the bamboo floor because it wasn't built for me, right? But I, I'm talking to these Buddhists and I'm talking to these Muslims and I'm talking to animists because where we live, everybody wears charms on their necks and their wrists because they're trying to ward off evil spirits because they're, they're there and they have these little, they almost look like fancy little birdhouses and they put offerings out there every day because they're trying to appease spirits because they really see and believe that there are spirits all over the place and so we get to, I just get to hang out with them and we bring them food, find out how their lives are going. I get to share Jesus, pray with them, talk to them about things, and it's it's really a, it's a cool privilege. And we, we get to do all these outreaches, and so we'll go, and I get to share the gospel with people who've never heard of Jesus all the time. There's Where we live, the town we live at, because it's a border town, is about one-third Thai, but two-thirds Burmese because Burma, right across the border, is in a civil war. They've been at war for 60 years, but in 2021... Uh, There was a military coup, and uh, it it just got really bad. Like, the horrible things you see in movies are downplaying it. Like, it's really bad. And so people have come across the border as much as are able. And so we get to help and minister to these refugees that are kind of nomads, and they got nowhere to go. And there's been a a couple times where it, it got bad enough to where we can hear the bombing and we can hear the fighting, and it was right on our border, and people just flood across, thousands of them. And so I, I remember the first time we, it, was, it was night and we just loaded up the truck. We went to the store and we filled the back. We had food and blankets and supplies and we just drive out to these these border places and they're on tarps and they're sleeping on mats outside under trees and we're just handing stuff out and they pretty much just wait. And they'll just wait for it to die down and they go back and they try and see if there's anything left of their village or if their home is still standing, you know, if it's been destroyed and and it's really, it, it's quite challenging just to see and feel like you're actually helping when you're doing it. My wife is a nurse by trade, and, and she, she had an opportunity. We, we found out about this group of refugees that had open sores everywhere. And, and I'm always going to try and say it, impetigo. Pettigo? Impetigo. I don't know. I get it wrong. She tells me I say it wrong. So if you're a nurse, I'm sorry. If you're not, be impressed. I practiced, okay? But uh, it's basically, they literally had scratches, bug bites, small cuts and they got infected and then it spread. And so she was there and she cleaned, she was cleaning wounds and bandaging and doing stuff but they took her about a couple hundred yards, couple hundred yards over like a cornfield and she found out the problem. Their only water source was this dirty river. So they were never clean like their hands were never clean their bodies were never clean like they never got to wash their hands because the problem was what they were trying to wash their hands with you know so then they scratch or they itch or they cut themselves and they can't clean it so we we gave recommendations but even for me being there I'm like I leave the faucet running sometimes and forget. You know, I I take for granted the ability to wash my hands at every bathroom you go to. Like, we we don't even think about that stuff. And so we have these opportunities to try and help people that are in circumstances that are just crazy. And one of my favorite things is most recently we got connected with this mountain church and it's it's up in the mountains uh, by this refugee camp, the biggest one in Thailand. They're right adjacent and uh, it's amazing. And the road driving there is horrible. Like, it's crazy. You're clenching the whole time. It's like a video game if you're into that. Um, so like, for me, it's like a video game. You're terrified. You're like, ah, but there's no guardrails. Like, it's narrow. It's, it's neat. So you're just driving. It's fun. I have a good time. But um, we got there. I remember the first time I get there and we, I asked the pastor, hey, can I use your restroom? You know, it had been a long drive, about five hours in the mountains. And, uh, and he had this pause And I never know why there's a pause. You know, the translator asked, hey, can you, you know, and and there was a pause. And I assumed, I'm like, oh, well, you know, he thinks I'm a Westerner and I won't, it's a dirty facility. It's not nice. They have what's called squatties there. If you don't know what that is, Google it later. It'll be fun for you. Um, But uh, the Squatty was, was their facility, but underneath was just a big hole. Well, it was an older facility, so years of use, the hole had filled and the contents, had eroded the integrity of what was holding up the squatty. And so his pause was like, look at me going, oh, you might crash in archimode. Like, because I'm not this normal size and scale. They were worried the big guy would, you know, go down. That's not a place I want to go deeper. Okay, we'll just say that, you know, don't go deeper in a Burmese squatty toilet hole. Okay, that's no... Um, but thankfully I didn't fall in and as you saw in the video, I got to go and we supported them and were able to help pay for new bathroom facilities and road and, and we got to go up there and I was able to minister and, and we just really love this little church that we've kind of fallen in love with. But I'm going to jump in before I do. I, I always get this question wherever we go. People are like, hey, what do you need? How can we help? And so I just say two things all the time, prayer, because, you know, my amazing wife who's right there, I'm just going to keep pointing at her because I'm happy she's here. Uh, She's raising three kids in a third world country, homeschooling and, and doing a whole lot. You know, we need divine intervention daily for where we live. So we need prayer and, and partners, people who just... Commit to supporting us, you know, monthly or however that looks like. It just helps us make a budget. It helps us plan for the future. So those are those are usually our biggest needs and most consistent. You can go to newlifecommission.com or in the lobby. I think we have some brochures and magnets. You can check out that. But I want to jump in because I'm really really excited about this idea of deeper. Uh, I'm excited. This is this is number three. So you get the best. Like I made all the mistakes of the other two services. So we're ready to go now. Okay. But go to first or Colossians. Sorry, Colossians chapter one. Colossians 1, verse 10, it says, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, displaying admirable character, moral courage, and personal integrity, to fully please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing in your knowledge of God with deeper, that's where we get this idea, with deeper faith, clearer insights, fervent love for His precepts. I believe, I believe Jesus is inviting us. I believe no matter where, if you're here in Warren, if you're in Boardman, if you're watching online at any other facility, like he invites us to walk deeper. He's constantly inviting us. I think, I think we're, we're told that deeper will have to be a life of trust, that deeper will have to move as trust. Our lives are going to be trusted. If you're going to follow Jesus, now I say that and, and it's a little different because if you showed up at church, you could say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm following Jesus. But there's, there's a difference. I'm not, I'm not talking about knowing him. Like if the, if the king of Thailand, Thailand has a king, it's a, it's a monarchy, king of Thailand walks in, I would know him, I would recognize him, but he doesn't know me. We don't have a relationship. I'm not following him, right? Well, he would know that. President Trump or Biden, however you follow, if they walked in, you would know them, but I don't think anybody in here unless he has his cell number, Right? You don't have a relationship. There's a difference. I'm, I'm trying to follow Jesus, and it requires trust. Following Jesus actually takes a GPS of trust. Like following Jesus will take a GPS of trust. Your guidance system will be trust in this following, in this journey, in this pursuit of Jesus. Because one of the things we don't, we don't put on the recruiting posters at churches, you know, for the new people. We don't, we don't usually post it here. You know, is that literally Jesus will meet you at the shore. If we're, if we're in this analogy, I keep picturing like the beach. He'll meet you at the shore. Jesus will meet you right where you're at. But he lives in the deep. His kingdom is operating out in the deep. So if you want to follow him, you're not going to be able to stay on the shore for long. If, you, if you're going to follow him, you don't get to just hang out very long by the edge because he's going to invite you deeper. And he's going to invite you to trust him in that journey. And he's going to require more trust as you go. I mean, think about it this way. Imagine your home. Imagine your home and a stranger comes to your home and you greet them. You meet them. They have access to the front door. You don't know them. They're on your porch. You know, they're selling something. They're telling you about something. You know, maybe it's awesome and it's Girl Scout cookies and you're excited. But, but that's a front door person. That's the relationship. But an acquaintance will come over, you know, someone you've met, maybe from work, or someone, you know, a neighbor that's new. An acquaintance, you will, you'll bring them in, but you'll host them in your living room, right? You know, I'll oh, have a seat, maybe I'll go get you a water, or a coffee, or something, you know. But they get living room access. But friends, right? Friends come over, friends go to the kitchen. Like, right? Like, friends go to the kitchen. That's where the food is, that's where things are happening. I had a best friend growing up, he, his name is Casey, and he he didn't knock like it was that level. If the door was unlocked, he just came on in. Like it didn't matter. But he'd come in and he'd go to the fridge. And if I went and the Kool-Aid pitcher was empty, it was Casey. It was his fault. Because he'd empty it and he'd never fill it. He'd never make Kool Aid, he'd just put it back and walk away. But like that's a friend. Friends get to the kitchen, but family, family gets all the way to your bedroom, right? Sometimes they borrow your clothes and don't even tell you or ask. Okay, if that bothers you, you might need to repent. Like, you know, let it go. Okay, it was just genes, you're okay. But but family, there's different access levels based on different relationships. Jesus is, Jesus will meet you at the shore. But how how deep you want to go is really up to you. How 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 far will you follow? How how much will you trust? Here's the big idea for today, because Pastor Joe always encourages us to have a big idea. Big idea for today deeper trust grows. The environment that your life will produce more and deeper trust in Jesus, deeper trust grows where thankful reflection lives, where you are consistently, not occasionally. Think about where you live. You live somewhere, you're there consistently, where you are consistently. Thankfully reflecting on God's faithfulness in your life. That will produce in you deeper trust moving forward. Like, I didn't, I didn't meet Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you. And he said, let's go to Thailand. That's not how this worked. I'm sure that would have been cool, but that would have been really crazy. Because I had no idea. Like, my trust walk started when I was going to Bible school. And I had to move from Michigan to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And I had to trust him. It was like, it was this step, you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to try this. And I watched him be faithful. You know, my wife, who's amazing, her, she had to trust God when I proposed to her. I said, will you marry me? I, I had a Taco Bell hot sauce packet. It said, will you marry me on it? That tells you all you need to know about me. But she said yes, so it tells you a lot about her too, right? But that was, that was a step of faith, really. You should have met me back then, but... Um, but our life in marriage, we had, we had infertility, we had miscarriages, we tried for seven years to have children. And we had to trust every day. All right, Jesus, you, you took care of us then. I don't understand this now, but you took care of us yesterday. You took care of us when we needed this, you took care of us needing that. Like I didn't I didn't get it. I got, I'm a youth pastor, I got teenagers getting pregnant, and we can't figure this. I had to trust. We had to trust, but this was a step in the journey. God asked this Michigan boy to move to Ohio. Come on, just imagine if you heard God say, you know, I want you to go to Ann Arbor. You're like, that is the devil, <laughs> right? Like, that's where, that's where you'd be. That is not God. Get behind me, Satan. Like, that's where we'd go. It was the same thing for me. i was like, ah, oh, any third world country. God, please, you know. But we, we came, and, and he, he asked us, to launch a campus and pastor. I'm like, I'm a missionary. I don't work well in the state. Like, I don't think this is going to work. And we trust it was the best thing we did. So there's this track record in our lives. Week after week, month after month, we started the process of adoption. I have three beautiful children that God brought gave to us through adoption, and they're good-looking. They look nothing like me because <laughs> they're adopted, so I'm not being arrogant. They're gorgeous. It's awesome. But that... It was this journey of trust. So when we, when we moved to Thailand, it was the next step. Look at Proverbs chapter three, verse five. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard this. It says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take." You know, For the reality, if, if Jesus said, "Hey, I would like you to move to a Hawaii," he'd be like, "Yes, you would." That is God. You know, if Jesus pointed, go this way, yes, Lord, that's Chick-fil-A, I'm going there, praise God. You know, if I'm feeling led to do evangelism on the streets and there's a Chick-fil-A, I think God's calling me there. That's not trust. That's just hunger, you know? (laughs) That's just me. You see, see, the reality is, trust really begins where my understanding ends. I have to trust when I say, God, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand. What are you doing? Where are you? but I'm still going to trust. Like, I don't understand what's going on. We have this growing church. We're really happy. We're excited. We have a great community. You want me to leave everything and go to the other side of the world? That doesn't make sense. I hate the heat. I'll just say that. I love the cold. This is wonderful weather. We moved to the hottest place on earth, I swear. That doesn't make sense but i got to trust. Why? Because standing on his track record is better than stepping off into my own opinions or fears. So I just reflect. I reflect on his goodness. I reflect on his mercy. And, and I don't have blind faith. I think sometimes the world looks at the church like, you, how do you believe in a God you can't see? How do you believe in something you've never seen before? How do you, how do you believe in Jesus? I don't, I don't have blind faith. Some people call it blind faith. I have reflective faith. I have faith today because of yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. I have faith today because I can reflect on God's track record in my life and say he's good and he's faithful. And even when I didn't understand it, he came through. So today I'm going to trust. There's no blind in my faith. I got wide eyes and I've got lots of examples and I've been on this journey that's growing me into deeper trust with him. And so I, I have to be thankful. But when I look around here, I know, I know everybody's got a story and I won't, I won't pretend I know your story. I've never lived it. I won't give you a Christian cliche, right? You know, we do that like, hey, I know what you're going through. I don't. I really don't. And I can remember, I got Christian cliches all the time. I hated preaching Father's Day because we didn't have any kids and we're trying for years, you know, and people believe in, you know, on that Sunday, like, oh, maybe someday <laughs> get hit by a car, please. Like... You know, that was just my flesh. I was angry, you know. But honestly, I didn't like it. So I've had all the Christian cliches. I've gone through this. And Pastor Joe's like, never again. It's okay. But I won't say that. But what I will say is I've seen God be faithful when I trust him. And it's not because I'm good. It's because he's good. So no matter what your story is, even if I don't understand it, he can be faithful in your life too. He can, he can have a track record in your life, too. Like, I, I don't always understand things, but, but we get to do them. We were, I mean, it's not because we're perfect. We were at this house. I show up at this house, and we're delivering food, and they ask me, hey, would you like to pray? And I'm like, sure, I'd love to pray. So I'm praying for people, and this guy is new. We've never seen him before. And just in my heart, I hear that there's something demonic. He's tormented. And I know that voice because I've heard it before because I've built trust in hearing that voice. So I asked the guy through my translator, you know, do you struggle with, with spirits? And he told us that years ago, he'd actually asked a witch doctor to open his eyes so that he could see into the spirit realm. And they've been tormenting him ever since. And I said, do you want to be free? And he said, yes. So we start praying for him in the name of Jesus for him to be free. And he screams in English. He don't speak English. He starts screaming no in English and it's loud. And we keep praying and he, we asked him finally, how do you feel? He goes, I, I feel light. And I said, you used to see evil things. You used to see those. I go, do you want to see Jesus? And he said, yeah. And so I start praying that he'd see Jesus and he passed out. And I'll be really honest, in that moment, I, had no, I didn't know if like the Holy Ghost hit him, you know, and he went down or if there was, there was more spirits that were trying to protect their dwelling. And so we went back a couple days later because I wanted the story. I'm, I'm curious, you know, I want to know what happened. And so I'm trying to ask him, like, hey, did you see Jesus? What happened? And he's, he's pretty mum, but the people he's living with, they go, they told us, they go, he stopped screaming. And I go, what do you mean? He said, he used to scream loud and angry all the time, and he doesn't do that anymore. I'm like, awesome, that's a good sign, right? At least I think it's a good sign. It's at least good for you. And they said, he can walk now. And I go, what? And they said, he couldn't walk before. He would actually mess himself up in his bed because he couldn't get up and go to the bathroom and we'd have to wash him and we'd have to wash his clothes now he just walks all over the place he's fine and i'm like I, so this is how how good god is i was clueless i didn't pray for his legs i didn't even know he couldn't walk i was just trusting god that when we prayed he'd do what he had to do but i felt like a spectator in the coolest sport ever just trust in jesus that he's going to figure out it was it's amazing i mean look at look at abraham okay look at abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Like, so Abram became Abraham, and he was counted righteous because of his faith. It was not his performance. Sometimes we think we see the person on stage, you know, we see we see the people, and we just think, well, you know, they, they never sin or they're per-. No, no, no. It wasn't his performance. Abraham is known as the father of our faith. Why? Because he trusted. God. Listen, Abraham more than once told people that his wife was his sister because they thought he thought they were going to kill him to get her. Abraham had sex with his wife's handmaiden so they could have a baby, Hagar and Ishmael, because they didn't believe that his wife could get pregnant. Like, Abraham wasn't perfect, but Abraham's trust in God mattered more than his performance along the way. So I'm not saying you've got to be perfect to walk deeper into trust. Because for Abraham, it was just pursuing and walking and moving forward. We, we had to adopt in our house because it felt like we had so many things going on all the time, all at once. From trying to start a ministry, to trying to raise kids, to trying to figure out a third world country, you know, to figure it out. So I just, I just had to start encapsulating all of it in one, so I would just... I started saying around our house, and my wife says around our house, and we tell our kids, Jesus always takes care of us. But, you know, something comes up. Something happens. We're struggling. We're frustrated. It's one of those days, like, we have crazy stuff. We're hearing bombs going off, literally from our living room. Jesus always takes care of us. Jesus always. That's our thankful reflection. That's how I could say, he'll be faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow because I remember all the yesterdays. Jesus always takes care of us. We have to focus on that. We have to live in that mantra, and that's how we've done it. And that's how we tried to adopt it. Because the reality is our feelings, how you're feeling. You know, you might be hearing this, and, and you could have a myriad of feelings. You might be reflecting back, and you have a lot of feelings. Your feelings are a fruit of your focus. What you're focusing on is producing how you're feeling. And so I want to tell you something. If you look back, if you're like, well, reflection, you look back and you see those bad things that happen, they stand out. When you look back at your life and you've got these bad things popping up, do you know why they stand out? This will help you. They stand out because most of your life is actually so good that the bad stands out. If we all gathered together in this room, I would not stand out. i just look like another Western American. But if we had a crowd in Thailand, i stand out everywhere. Why? Because I'm different than the rest. The bad things in your past stand out because your past is actually so good. Because your life is so good. If it wasn't, you wouldn't notice the bad things. Because I've met people that have only had bad. It doesn't stand out. It's their norm. So if you look in the back and you think, ah, there was this failure and there was this difficulty and there was this, ah, you know, and those are the things you focus on because it's easy for those little things to get your attention. I mean, when you look at these chairs, they're in such perfect rows. You've never noticed a straight row of chairs. You're not thinking about it, but you've never noticed, you'd notice a crooked one. If all these were, were straight and perfect, but there was like one crooked chair, it'd stand right out to you. So what we need to do is fix our focus we need to look back and remember all the times God was faithful and we need to repent for the times that we, you know, haven't been focused on the right thing. Look look how I love Abraham. Look how he did it. Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. He went into a circumstance that didn't make any sense, but he did something amazing. It says it was by faith That Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God tested him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, he had received, he had a track record, there was a history. He had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God told him, Isaac is the son whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned. And that that word reasoned actually means that he considered and it reliable to believe. He processed, he thought, he reflected, he reasoned. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. God asked Abraham to do something that made no sense. Completely crazy. After 99 years of waiting, he had a son and then God says, hey, I want you to kill him. That is not permission for any parent in here, okay? Like, that's, that's not how we do. That doesn't make sense, right? Like, that doesn't... Hold on, God, this is literally the opposite direction that you... I don't understand. And if I'm, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, I think we got a bad connection. You know, like, something's wrong. He doesn't... It says he reasoned. All right, God said this, and he was faithful, and he was faithful, and he was faithful, and I'm staring at the fulfillment of his promise. So I will trust him again. I'll take one more step of trust. And God was faithful. And it says that in a way he got his son back. And you know what's cool about the covenant between Abraham and God? Abraham offered his son so God was able to offer his son. They had a a connection and Abraham trusted him. But it was because he reflected and reasoned based on God's track record. I will trust you even when it doesn't make sense. It's so cool when we have the wrong focus, sometimes our reflections can get us almost trapped in the kiddie pool of fear and hesitation. You're just hanging out at the shore. You don't, you don't know where to go. You don't know how to get there. And sometimes you feel stuck. And so sometimes, sometimes you hear a message like this and you're like, yeah, but you know, maybe you hear that thing in your heart, that next step that God has kind of put on you, but you feel stuck. like, I, I just don't, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to make that next step. Or I just feel like I'm I'm in the same loop. You know, I'm I'm Israel, you know, hanging out in the desert, just walking in circles. I'm not sure how to to play this, you know. I want to go deeper, but... mm, I think there's two things that you could probably do and they'll help you. First is you repent. You honestly go to God. And, and the reality, you say, I'm going to take this next step, but every time I go to, I start focusing on the negatives. I start focusing on my perceived failures or frustration. The thing that I asked for, it didn't happen. But just there's a country song. It's like, thank God for unanswered prayers. You know, you ever heard that song? Yeah, thank God. When you were in high school, and you're like, oh God, he's the one. Just let him see me. Let him notice me, please. You know, and then you saw him at like the 10 or 15 year reunion. You're like, thank you, God, for not answering. You know, I didn't know that was in his life, you know, whatever. But you're like, okay, I got to look back and I got to say, okay, I've been focused on the wrong things. Please forgive me. Help me. To focus on the right. Help me to focus on your faithfulness. Jesus, help me. that I woke up today. I have life in my body. I have breath in my lungs. The sun rose. I'm standing and alive because the creator of the universe is thinking about me. And go from there. I got a wife. I got kids. I got a life. I got a roof over my head. I got clean water. I can wash my hands anytime I want to. Like you could just start getting excited. And you start, You repent. And then you start rehearsing his faithfulness. You start rehearsing. Man, we went through this. Man, that was really hard. But guess what? You're still here and you're still standing. So God must not be done with you. I don't know if you understand the past, but you've actually made it through the past. And you're still here today. And that's a testimony, and that's something to get excited about. Because if God preserved you till today, he can do you it again. He can preserve you till tomorrow. So you start reflecting, and you start meditating. So you repent, and you reflect with thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5 actually just says, give thanks in all circumstances. I don't understand. It's okay. His track record says, I don't have to. I just keep giving thanks and moving forward. His track record is so good that I can just hold on to it. And keep going. So if you need to repent and make a shift in your heart, we're going to give you a moment to do that. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. But there's something that might help you, and I, I want to throw it in there. A lot of times when we have tragedy, our mind starts taking us to the wrong questions. I've done a lot of funerals, and I see this all the time. We start asking the wrong questions when we don't understand things. We start asking questions like, Why? Well, why did this happen and why did that happen and why and why and why? We start asking why and why is the wrong question. Because if you sat with Pastor Joe or Pastor Joe Jr. and Boardman and they opened the Bible and they counseled you and you got the best answer under heaven of why, it still would not change where you are and what happened. It just keeps you focused on the wrong things. If you, we ask, what if? Well, what if this happened or what if this? We start trying to daydream about different events happening. We start acting, what if, what if, what if? And we're trying to recreate the present by transforming the past. That's what if is it why and what if are the wrong questions? I think the right question from no matter what you're going through is what now? Based on where I'm at now, based on what I know now, what do I do? So if you're stuck and you've been asking why, you've been asking what if, you've been reflecting poorly, I want you to change the focus and I want you to start asking what now? We had this opportunity. We had this opportunity. It was was so neat. I can picture it still in my mind. I'm sitting on a river bank, and there's four people, and we're outside their hut, and I'm I'm sitting by my translator, and Jesus had done some really cool things. He'd done some really cool things. We prayed for people, saw healing, and and I just had this, they were asking me, okay, what do we do now? And I I could go the normal road of talking about salvation, but in this moment, I said, all right, listen, we're going to try something, because I'm still trying to grow in trust, I'm trying to trust him and take new steps. I said, we're going to try something. I said, if Jesus is the one true God, because you have lots of gods. I can say God, and they say, which one? If Jesus is the one true God, he can speak to you, and I don't have to. If Jesus really is the one who hung the stars and did all this stuff, I can be quiet, and he'll talk to you right now. So I said, if you want that, open your heart and invite him, and I'll pray, and Jesus will talk to you. And in the moment, I'm like, oh, I hope this works. I'll be real, honestly though, because that was, that was new for me. This was a step, but it was just on my heart. So I'm like, all right, let's take another step. Let's try it. What do I got to lose? And so I pray and I command every voice that's not God's to go and shut up. And then I ask Jesus to speak to him and we wait. And it was felt like forever, but we're done. And we open our eyes and the guy, the translator's next to me. And the guy next to her is covered in goosebumps and it's a million degrees. I'm covered in sweat. And he starts talking to her, and he's doing this with his hands, and he's just, he's got all animated, and she's, she's oh and oh oh, and I'm like oh what you know I want to hear, and so he starts describing. We're sitting, and he said. He looked out and he saw a glowing man, come down and stand on the river, and he said his hair was white and it was flowing, and he walked up and touched him on the forehead, and he said it was Jesus, and I'm like that's awesome. So I don't know, I know there's a lot of people here, and if you're here, maybe you've been to church before. If you're here, you, you, you may have read a Bible verse, you may have gone to Sunday school, but I'm not talking about that. I, I wanna know, have you ever, have you ever met Jesus? Because Jesus is a person, he's not a religion, he's not a tradition, he's a person. And if you meet him, he'll blow your hair back. And he'll wreck your life in the best way possible. And when you meet him, when you, when you see him, trust isn't hard. When your eyes are focused on his, oh my gosh, you're like, what can I do? How can I surrender? I want to follow you. I don't care where you go. You're like I was when I met this little girl. I just kind of followed her around all the way. I was like, can I hang out with you? And I just didn't leave till she married me. It was great. <laughs> but that's how it is. So I just want to take a moment. Why don't, why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute? Even if you're watching online, I want you to do it. Unless you're driving, you know. But I just want you to focus. If you're if you're a bored man, just bow your head, close your eyes for just a moment, so you can have a moment of reflection. You can have a, a personal time. First, I want to talk. If you're if you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been stuck. If when I say, what are you reflecting on? What are you focused on? Are you stuck from? not able to take that next step? Are you, are you feeling hesitant about what's going forward? Are you struggling trusting God with tomorrow because the things you're focused on from yesterday? If you need to repent, right now I want you to. Just wherever you are, however you need to do it, you know what's going on, you know where you've been, you know what you've gone through. Like you know, I, I don't know, but you know and God knows. And, and just give it to Him say, God, I'm sorry for my focus here. I'm sorry for my fear. I'm sorry that I let go of trusting you. I'm sorry that I've... Jesus, forgive me. Help me focus on the right things. Help me have thankful reflections because I'm alive because of you. Everything I have is because of you. You've been so good in my life, it's it's become the overwhelming background, actually, that the bad things can even stand out in. So Jesus, I thank you. Just... Just repent right now where you're at. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be hard. Just ask him to help you change your focus so that trust will start to grow in your life again. But if you're here and you're like, I don't know if I can trust God. I've never met him. The first step of trust is, is asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. See, Jesus came to earth and he died to forgive us and he rose from the dead and he invites us but he doesn't Jesus doesn't want to make you better this isn't self-improvement Jesus wants to make you new this is transformation and so if you've never I mean if you've never met him and you would know I mean maybe you've prayed something once upon a time but if you didn't meet Jesus in the prayer prayers can't save you Jesus can so I'm going to invite you to just pray with me and repeat after me in just a moment. And I'm going to ask the Savior of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords to just flood you as we pray. Father, I ask right now, Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, right now, as we pray, I, I just ask you to flood hearts and minds. As we pray, as people cry out to you, maybe for the first time, maybe maybe not for the first time, but I pray God, and I ask that you just overwhelming them, help them see Jesus. Help them encounter your face. So if you need to pray this and reach out to God, or you want to support those doing it for the first time, I want you to just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead. Forgive me for all the bad things I've done. Make me a child of God. Make me a new person. Jesus, I give you my life. I want to follow you. I want to see your face. Father, I thank you for these amazing people. I ask that you're touching lives, open hearts right now.
1: Hope you enjoyed today's podcast.
0: There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this
1: podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc